At the beginning of July, uh, my family and myself were in Devon on holiday, and it was the last day, uh, and so we went to one of our favourite beaches. Uh, the kids were having an absolutely brilliant time, and in fact, when we suggested that it was time uh, that we moved on somewhere else, they didn't want to leave at all. We eventually persuaded them uh, it would be best to go round the corner because there was a brilliant beach uh, round the corner too. So we eventually traipsed around the coastal path uh, much, uh, um, with their moans following us because they'd wanted to stay on the previous beach. We got to the beach and we had to climb down from the coastal path to this absolutely incredible beach. It was all little coves and rocks and it was absolutely stunning. And as the tide was coming in, uh, we put on our life jackets and, and we let the current swoosh us round. We all just got in the water, let the current swoosh us round uh, to the next beach. It was completely brilliant. And at the end of the day, the kids said that that time on that hidden cove being swooshed around to the next beach was the best thing about their day. They'd really enjoyed the first beach, but if they'd stuck to their guns, they wouldn't have experienced what we did at the next speech. This morning, I want us to think about whether we're living in the fullness of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, or whether we're missing out on everything that Christ has for us. And we're going to do this as we look at this moment we just heard about from Acts chapter 19 with Paul in Ephesus. So we discover that Paul has traveled to Ephesus and finds some believers there. Initially, he thinks that these people are disciples of Jesus too. But actually, as we start to listen in to their conversation, it turns out that that isn't quite the case. As Paul questions these men, we discover that they've received the baptism of repentance from the John the Baptist, but they haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit. They will have heard about the prophecy from John about the coming of Jesus and how the one coming after me will baptize you with the Spirit. They may have even known the promise of God from Joel chapter 2, uh, that one day I will pour out my spirit on all people. But they didn't know that these prophecies had actually been fulfilled in Jesus, and that the Holy Spirit had been poured out as promised at Pentecost. And so now they could be baptised or filled with the Holy Spirit continuously. It's almost as though these people had been caught in a time warp. They'd heard from John the Baptist about the coming Messiah. They'd repented of their sins, but for some reason, they'd missed out on Jesus. They'd missed out on the real action. They have, in a sense, been living in blissful ignorance. They know of God. They're living in the promises of the Old Testament and have received something of what he has for them, the baptism of repentance but they've not yet received and been baptised into the fullness of God's riches poured out for all through Jesus and made available through the power of the Holy Spirit. So in my language, uh, they've settled for Prosecco because they didn't realise there was a bottle of Moet Chandon or Lanson Champagne on offer. Or perhaps in Rich's language, they'd been driving around in a battered old Ford Fiesta when there's a great, big, powerful new Bentley parked around the corner with the keys in the ignition waiting for them to drive. Using another metaphor, Paul realises that they'd set and settled for cotton when they could have silk. And so in verse 4, he tells them all about Jesus. 
He'll have told them about how Jesus lived and how Jesus died and how he conquered death and how he rose again. And as Paul lays hands on them, these believers are filled with the Holy Spirit and they pray in tongues and prophesy. So this passage leaves us with a big question. Are we living in the fullness of Christ? Or are we missing out like those believers were until Paul told them about Jesus and they were filled with the Spirit? Is there more for us? I'm a Christian, you'll be relieved to know, uh, and I've given my life to Christ. But is that all there is? In some ways, we could answer yes. Because on one level, all we need to do to be saved is to declare Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. But there's always more. Think about it. Jesus uh, called Peter, James and John, Levi the tax collector and the others to come and follow me. And they left everything and they followed him. They made the decision to give their lives to Jesus. But that wasn't the end. It was only the beginning for those early disciples. Following him became a daily decision not to go back to their fishing nets or their tax collecting booths. The decision was just the start of the journey of discipleship. And sometimes it was a really difficult journey for them to be on too. Being a disciple of Jesus meant they spent time with him. They lived their life with him. They watched and learnt from him. They questioned, questioned and had a go themselves and wrestled. They shared life with others on the same journey. They worshipped together and prayed. Being a disciple is about being a lifelong learner. Being a disciple is literally about being the pupil of a master, sitting at the feet of one greater than yourself. If you've given your life to Jesus this morning, you are a disciple. You are Jesus's pupil and he is your master. Being a Christian is about deciding daily, as the first disciples did, to sit at Jesus's feet, to learn from him, to receive from him, and then to go out and practice what we've learnt. Now, I've been a, a pupil of Jesus, a disciple, a Christian for 36 years. And I bet you're looking at me thinking, I can't believe she became a Christian before she was born, but it's true. Um, and there is so much more, so much more depth of riches and abundance to Jesus' love and mercy and grace for me to grasp. There's always more to know, more to experience. But do we simply settle for what we know, what we know and have experienced already? I was on a course uh, a few years ago. It was a week-long course, and, uh, and there was this guy that was leading the morning Bible studies. And he uh, was a well-known church leader and had just retired from about 30 years of running a big church uh, in England. And after all the input that he was doing, uh, I would have expected him to then spend the rest of the day drinking the on-tap coffee, wandering around the gardens, enjoying himself and just relaxing. But I noticed that on day two of this course, the speaker, when he'd finished his Bible teaching, would come with us into every other session. And the sessions went on till 10 o'clock at night. It was really full on. And he was just lapping up everything that there was on offer. And it really struck me that here was a guy who'd been a Christian a long time and had been a church leader for many years. And he just couldn't get enough of the teaching on offer. And so chatting to him over coffee, I asked him one day, why what was it that you were you know, using what could be your leisure time to come to all these other sessions? And he simply said words to this effect. Do you know 
there is always so much more. More to experience, more to learn and more to know of Jesus. This man, who to all intents and purposes was nearing the end of his ministry in many ways, was, was still excited to know what else God had for him. Paul revealed to these men in Ephesus that there was more to know of God, more than they'd already known and experienced. And we too need to press on to the goal which God has called us. For all of us who are disciples of Jesus, or perhaps for some of us here who are just taking those first steps on the journey, there is always more. And yet we have this tendency to hold back, don't we? And why is that? Why do we settle for spiritual Prosecco when we could have spiritual Bentleys or Champagne? So I want us to spend a few moments thinking about four suggestions of what is stopping us living in the fullness or going after more of what God has for us. So we're going to think about whether it's ignorance or apathy or something with our priorities or a blockage in our lives. So let's, we're going to look at those one at a time this morning. So firstly, ignorance. Perhaps we don't realise that there is more of God. We think that what we already know of God or have experienced of him in our lives is all there is. A few years ago, uh, John and I were on holiday in Switzerland and we were staying with John's uncle, Ted, on the banks of Lake Geneva. And he'd been really generous with us and looked after us. And so we offered to take him out to dinner. So we set off uh, to a village up the lake to a restaurant Uncle Ted uh, knew of. Eventually, we pulled up outside what looked like somebody's house. And when we went into the restaurant, it looked like we were going into somebody's front room. Uh, it was a Tuesday evening, but this room was packed full of locals enjoying family dinners and celebrations together. And on the menu was one thing, perch and frit. Perch from the lake and frit from wherever. And so we ummed and ahed and we opted uh, for perch and frit. I can't speak French, so that probably my pronunciation was rubbish. The meal came and it was really delicious, but we noticed it was quite a small portion. A few minutes later, the waitress came back to our table and asked if we wanted some more. And John and I looked at each other in that sort of, oh, what do we do here? Because it's actually really expensive and we really can't afford another portion of this perch and fruit. What do we do? But then Uncle Ted noticed uh, that sort of eye contact that was going on uh, between us and said, oh, it's okay. You know, this is normal. You get like seconds. Uh, we hadn't realised uh, that that was the case in this restaurant. So the waitress brought us seconds, and in fact thirds and fourths, and we could eat as much as we wanted until they ran out of perch and fruit. We thought that our meagre portion was all there was. We didn't realise there was so much more. Are we trying to live the Christian life without the firepower? doing it in our own power or based on our past experience, not realising that God has so much more for us. Those believers met by Paul in Ephesus were content with the baptism of repentance that they'd received from John the Baptist. They hadn't realised that Jesus was the main deal. They didn't know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it was only when they heard about Jesus and received the filling of the Holy Spirit that they realised the power and the spiritual depth that was available to them. If we're honest, are our lives as disciples of Jesus based on perhaps what's happened in the past? or a church service when you're a student, or something last year, 
rather than what God is doing in our lives now. Our God is a generous, extravagant God who loves you and wants us to live in the fullness of his love and his riches now. Not once a year or every 10 years, but now. So do you know that the Holy Spirit is about being filled with the power of God now, him equipping you to fulfill his purpose, not just about having some fluffy experience of God when we're worshiping. I wonder if for some of us, it's apathy that stops us living in the fullness of what Jesus has for us. Maybe you're sat here and you've been a Christian for quite a while and you're going through a dry patch. And in fact, if you're really honest, uh, the last month or the last year or even the last three years have felt like a dry patch. And you've just settled at the point where you think, well, that's just how it is with me and God. This must be how it is. Or maybe you feel like Jesus has abandoned you and so you just can't be bothered. You're just going through the motions. Or maybe your apathy springs from all the demands on your time and your energy. Even finding 10 minutes to pray or read the Bible in between church is a bit too much uh, for anyone to expect at the moment. And so to be honest, you're sat there thinking, well, it's great for you to talk about going deeper uh, with Jesus, Libby. You know, you're a professional Christian, but do you know what my life is like? I've not got the time, the energy, the drive to do anything more than just keep ticking along at the moment. I don't know what your life is like, but I know what life is like. And I also know what a life where Jesus has fallen into the background is like too, and it's not a pretty place to be. Maybe then we simply need to reach out to him. It's an act of will where we put ourselves under the will of God and say to him, I need you. I cannot do this on my own. I can't do life without you. I want more of you. Please fill me with more of your Holy Spirit. Give me a new desire. Give me a new energy to want to know you more. I remember a few years ago uh, when one of my children was a little bit obsessed with my hair dryer. Um, literally just used to wander around the house with it and I broke it eventually because it was dragged around the house so much. Uh, they were always playing with it. And the number of times I went to dry my hair in a rush to leave the house in the morning and would press the power button and nothing would happen because they once again unplugged it from the socket in the wall. It was actually highly irritating. But all I had to do was plug that socket, that hairdryer, back into the wall and it would come to life. Some of us just need to be plugged back into the power source and allow the Holy Spirit to fill us. In Ephesians 3 verse 18, uh, we're reminded we need to be filled with the Spirit. That's a continuous word, be filled. We need to keep asking God to fill us with the Spirit because we leak. You know, as I was preparing this sermon, I had a real strong sense that God wants to use some of us here mightily for his kingdom. It's like you know that you are one of God's kingdom builders, but you've backed off, either because it's difficult or involves some sacrifice in your life or you're scared. And Jesus is nudging you this morning and saying, get plugged back in. There are people out there who need to know, who need my love. Let me fill you again, because this is bigger than you actually, and you just need to abandon yourself and come on this journey with me. And if that's you and that's spoken to you, do please come uh, uh, and let us pray with you later on in the service.
On similar lines, maybe you and I need to realign our priorities. There's always something more pressing, isn't there? More important to do than give our attention to growing in our relationship with Jesus. It always reminds me of that illustration, which I'm sure you've heard before, uh, of the pebbles in the jar and how there's, there's pebbles, there's sand, and there's rocks. And if we put the pebbles and the sand in the jar first, you can't fit the rocks in, the big things in your life. But if you put the rocks in first, all the pebbles and the sand fit neatly around them. As a Christian, we're given a number of priorities. And the first is simply this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Is that yours and my first priority? Is that a priority in your life and my life as a whole life disciple? How are we loving God with all our heart in our workplaces? How are we loving God with all our hearts in our family lives or in your relationships, in your leisure time, in the things that you're serving in? How are you loving God with all your heart in your sport or in your hobbies? How are you investing in and prioritizing your relationship with God, getting to know him more, receiving from him, letting him pour out more of his love and his mercy, his forgiveness, his vision, his purpose, his grace into our lives? How about taking some time this term, uh, perhaps investigate a new way of praying or reading the Bible, join our mentoring program, come to the School of Theology or a connect group or something to help you to keep prioritizing loving God with all your heart? Is, your, is it your priorities that are preventing you living in the fullness of what Jesus has for you and for me? Earlier this year, I had a bit of a virus and it was just one of those really irritating, low-lying viruses that just make you feel a bit rough, a bit temperature a bit tired, and they just go on and on and on. And mine went on for about six weeks. Uh, and it didn't stop me coming to work or doing anything particularly. Uh, and you sort of, I, I got used to it, just not feeling quite right. It became normal. And it was only one day around the end of April, beginning of May, uh, when I suddenly felt really well again. And it was only then that I realized how rubbish I'd been feeling for the previous six weeks. Maybe for some of us here, we're not living in the fullness of what Christ has called us to be and to do because there's a blockage in our life. There's something wrong in our lives that's become maybe so normal, so everyday that we haven't even acknowledged that it's an issue for us. It might be something, a lifestyle issue or an addiction or something that's become more important in our lives than it should have been. Or perhaps something that you know is a sin and you just keep doing it and it's causing a blockage in your life. And God is saying to you and to me, get rid of it, stop it, hand it over, confess it, lay it down, pray over it with somebody. You're kidding yourself that it's okay, but it's not because there is so much more. God is saying you need to lay it down and step out into the fullness of what he has for you. So what is stopping us living in the fullness or going after more of what God has for us? Is it ignorance or apathy or priorities or, or perhaps a blockage? After the 12 believers in Ephesus hear of Jesus and are filled with the Holy Spirit, there's a visible sign that they've been filled as they pray and they prophesy. Being filled with God means that we're never the same again. 
It might not be prayer and prophecy with us. It might be something else. It may be that our character is affected, which, as the Apostle Paul says, is evidence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Or, or James says that our faith should be evidenced by our good works. And John says that being filled with the Holy Spirit is seen by our love for other people. When we're filled with the power of God, there is always evidence. Simon Ponsonby, a theologian, writer, preacher, in his book, God Inside Out, says this. We are uniquely made, and the Spirit always fits himself to us, who we are, where we are, how we are but he never leaves us as we are. Let us never settle for too little, but press on and into Christ that we might be Pentecostal people. Maybe then we need to simply ask God today to put in us a new desire to want more of him, to give us the firepower of the Spirit. Maybe we need to be decisive and take this opportunity to make some changes in our lives, to lay something down or take something up, so we're free to live in the fullness of Christ. Let's not miss out on the more that God has for each of us this morning.